What's up, everybody? It's Tommy Runs, and this is the Run, Eat, Sleep Show, episode number 71. Uh, Today on the show, or this day on this show, we have... Stephanie Bruce. Uh, Stephanie Rothstein Bruce is on the show today. Uh, Stephanie is a professional long distance runner for Hoka NAZ Elite. Um, and we've actually had her husband, Ben Bruce, on the show, who's also with Hoka NAZ Elite. Uh, please check out this episode. It was really great. We talked about her career, um, talked about how she got started in running. Uh, we talked about some of the ups and downs of life that actually have led her to be the person that she is today that we all have come to love and admire and, and get inspired by. Um, I just thought this story in this conversation was really cool and very raw and um, vulnerable because I think the more we share, um, the more we can inspire. And some of the things that Stephanie shared on the show kind of gave me chills at some points, uh, but then also was just really inspiring to know that we can go through things, we can have hard times, but we, as long as we have the right state of mind going into and out of it, or at least out of it for sure, we can always learn things from it. We can always find new um you know, things to look forward to after. So please check out this episode. We talked about business. We talked about how well-rounded of a, well-rounded of a person she is. She's got like four, five, six, seven businesses that she's into, uh, including Peaky Bars, which is, uh, has completely just taken off. So please check this out. We talked about uh, the diagnosis as well that, that uh, she received this year or last year, I think it was, um, and why she's going to be using this year as her farewell year to the sport. She has decided to leave running on her own terms, um, which is great because it'll kind of allow her to move on to some other things that she's been working on for quite some time and put more energy into business. Uh, she's a mother of two. Uh, she's a wife, like, like I said, to Ben Bruce. So I cannot wait to see what the future has in store for her. But selfishly, I just can't wait to see all the cool things that she's going to do this year in running. So stay tuned. Make sure you follow her. Make sure you follow the Run, Eat, Sleep show. Mash that subscribe button. Um, Put your seatbelts on. Get a, a pen and a paper. She's dropping gems. Check out this episode with Steph Bruce. Oh, is it going live? Oh, there we go. Hello, everybody. This is Tommy Runs. I've been live for 20 seconds. Didn't know it. <laughs> um, but hey, guys, it's Tommy Runs. This is the Run, Eat, Sleep show, episode number 71. Today, we have a, a professional distance runner, Hoka NAZ elite athlete, a wife, a mother of two, a businesswoman, um, and one who is very, very familiar with the grit, with grit and, and how to push through and how to persevere and how to be as balanced as possible. Um, I've had a really a lot of really cool people on the show, and I just continue to be able to somehow be blessed to add another person onto that list. Uh, Stephanie Bruce is on the show today, so I look forward to really talking to her. She, I've been watching her kind of you know through Instagram and through YouTube for a few years now, so it's been it's really nice to be able to tap in and actually talk to her. And uh, I've always admired how well rounded she is as a person. Uh, she continues to grind to get faster and faster, but. I just love seeing the other things outside of life, outside of running that we call life um, to, you know, to tap in and really see, you know, what keeps a person like her going. So with no further ado, I'd like to introduce Steph Bruce to the show. Hello, Steph. How are you? Hey, Tommy. I'm doing well. How about yourself? Doing pretty good. So was it awkward to see me like not like 
be live for 20 seconds and you're just watching me from the background no i feel like super big time i mean i think that's isn't that like how all production is when you're waiting to go on tv or for an yeah. interview you're just like hearing we, we've done like a couple news um reports where mm -hmm. you hear the reporter talking about you and then they're like now you're live so i'm yeah. used to it yeah i should have had my you know thing here like oh i'm live am i live okay, great exactly <laughs> oh, oh yeah so here we go <laughs> yeah exactly exactly um but yeah i just i want to say thanks so much for being on the show and i always start the show just kind of like to talk about a little bit about the running origins a lot of people know your story but some don't really so i just love to kind of go back and say like you know when did running when was running introduced to your life and then when did it become like a thing that you that you've um, identified with yeah running oh running's been Sometimes it's hard to think back, like, when did it start or when did, like, the, you know, the fire get stoked? Um, but the best probably timeline I could describe is I did running, like, in grade school um, in your, you know, PE physical fitness classes. And then we had something called, like, a presidential fitness challenge where mm -hmm. you did a series of exercises, like, sit and reach. Yeah sit-ups and then they had the mile run and I remember in like seventh and eighth grade being like okay like I couldn't touch my toes um and <laughs> many sit-ups but I was like I really like this mile run mm -hmm. and I found it was um one of the only exercises I could beat boys okay um, yeah I could be into that because I, I grew up with three older brothers um so I was the youngest only girl kind of always um I don't want to say beat up on but you know yeah, they yeah definitely did not take it easy on me. So I always had a little like chip on my shoulder trying to keep up with boys. And then I went to I when I went into high school, I wouldn't say I loved running at that point. Um, a cross country coach encouraged me to come out. He was like, Yeah, like we, you can do track in the spring and this thing called cross country in the fall. And I was like, All right, what is cross country? He's like, Well, you run anywhere from two miles to 5k on like different courses, grass, dirt. Yeah. I was like, that sounds super boring. Um, I don't think I'm going to do that. Um, and honestly, in high school, I was kind of a little bit of a rebel. And I I would say I preferred going out and partying, um, you know, sadly looking back, than I did, um, you know, either like getting to school on time or showing up for practice. So yeah. much to my uh, cross-country coach's chagrin, I was always like, where's Stephanie? What's Stephanie doing? Um, but I still came out for the team. I was able to like walk on cross country. And then during the spring I had track and I, I gradually yeah. moved up in distance. Mm -hmm. And then, um, yeah, I, d I did that most of my high school career, kind of just going through the motions, I would say. Yeah. And then my senior year of high school, that's when kind of, I guess, life turned a little different corner for me. Mm -hmm. And my dad was... Uh, he had been diagnosed with prostate cancer a few years earlier and his mm -hmm. health was sort of declining. Um, and he was living in New York at the time. And my mom and brothers and I were living in Phoenix, Arizona. Mm -hmm. And so I knew that I had to probably go out and visit him and kind of check in on him. So I flew out there my senior year to New York and <clears throat> I was planning on going to visit him into the city where he was getting cancer treatment at Memorial Sloan Kettering. Mm -hmm. um, I flew in on a Friday. I was going to see him on Saturday. And then I woke up Saturday morning and I went for a run. And I remember having like a really strange feeling on that run, something that I couldn't really describe to you or identify yeah. what it was. And then um, 
I got back from the run. My stepmom was on the phone and she said, Stephanie, um, your dad passed away. And of course I said, no, I'm about to get on the train to go visit him. Like that's impossible. And she said, no, he, um, he passed away in the last hour. And so I suppose when I look back at that run and that feeling I had, I, I think my, I know my dad died while I was on that run. And I think perhaps he passed through me or his spirit did. And maybe that's yeah. a strange feeling I had. Um, and so at, <clears throat> at 18 years old, that sort of changed the trajectory of my life. And I, pr I probably had two choices, one to go this way, one to go that yeah. way. Um, and I like to think I ch chose this path, which led me to running and running was no longer something that I have to do, but it was something I get to do. So it sort of became a gift to me. Um, and yeah, I've never looked back since. I mean, is it uh, just to not like to harp on that? I mean, that's um, for, number one, sorry, sorry to hear that. Uh, and then two, it's like, I mean, it's, it's really, you know, a like a beautiful story, you know, in a, in a way, you know, or something that happened like in the way it did and the way and that you connected to it the you know the right way i guess um and i just want to know like especially as a senior in high school like that's really uh like a mature thing for like a 17 18 year old to to attach to and say like okay well th this means you know maybe this is where I, what i should be doing um could you like talk about that a little bit more too because i mean i think that there's many people that have moments maybe not like as as huge as this one but have moments that pass through in you know, um, maybe need help deciding how to like grab onto those things. Absolutely. I mean, I think we hit crossroads in our life, you know, all the time. Right. And I've been asked the question now, like what would 38 year old Stephanie tell 18 year old Stephanie and vice versa. And I, I almost say like, thank you. I, I don't know how I, I was put in that position because my dad passed away, but I don't know if it's intrinsic, if it was in the makeup of who I am that just made me decide, hey, I would rather, I, I honestly like, I stopped partying, I like leaned to running, I leaned into training, I just kind of like cleaned up everything I was doing. Like, I ate fast food, which is fine to do, but I ate, ate fast food like five to six times a week as a high school. Yeah, maybe, yeah. Maybe cut yeah, it. You ate, ate like a typical yeah, yeah, totally. But I was like, I think I could do Chick-fil-A like once a week and maybe yeah. not five times a week. Yeah. So yeah. I made those little changes and then they paid off physically in running. Um, and I ended up having an incredible breakthrough after yeah. my dad passed in February. Um, I took my mile time down my seat, my junior year, I'd run 528 for the mile. And then I finished off the year running 458 in the mile. Yeah. Um, I was yeah. second in the Arizona state meet. And so I don't know. I think I just, I developed a lot of empathy. I, it gave me a greater perspective on life. And instead of being like, why me or yeah. question why things happen? I was like, well, what can I do about it? And, and you kind of have choices at that point. And I guess I was lucky. I saw my older brothers kind of take different paths, right? Mm -hmm. They were a little older and, and maybe they were looking for like, their dad to shape them into men at, mm -hmm. at that point where I was like very moldable. And I kind of just reached out to other adults or other pe people older than me that I could see as mentors. And I don't know, it, it definitely, my biggest advice would be it's a, 
it's a choice each day of how you want to live. And when people talk about like being happy, being successful, you literally need to wake up every day and want to be those things. They don't just happen to you. And I know that because one of my brothers, um, you know, ended up becoming a heroin addict. And so we grew up in the same family. We had the same things happen to us. Our dad died to both of us, but he chose this way and yeah. chose this way. And granted, there are chemical imbalances or different things that predispose yeah. people, you know, to illnesses. Um, but you do have to fight, I think, mental illness and fight um, the urge to give up and give in each mm-hmm. day. And I think it's important yeah. to realize when people are doing well, like you think it just comes natural. It doesn't. You have right, to. Right. You have to work really hard at relationships, really hard at jobs, you know, really hard at motivation, dedication, like yeah. they require work day in and day out. Yeah, I just, I mean, um, I was just talking to my kids in the car when I dropped my daughter's 14, son's 11, mm-hmm. and um, I were dropping them off uh, and I asked them what they, what kind of day that they wanted to have today. And it was like one of those like father moments where like the kids have no idea what you're talking about. They're like, Dude, I don't know, great day, whatever, you know. Um, and so, uh, but the point was like I was, I told him like, you know, the point is you need to set set an intention on like what you what you what you want to have happen today, you know. And you can't control anything, you know. Like you can't control like what actually happens. I mean, but you can control like how you step foot into like every situation. Um, so like, I, I just think that that's beautiful. That it's like, you, you, if you see someone that's always, it seems like they're happy at least, or they're doing well in school or life or whatever, you know, they, they wake up with like, they may not say it like flat out, out loud every day, but they wake up with the intention to do that thing, you know? So I think that that's, that's amazing. So that's, that's new. That's advice anybody can take. So mm-hmm. you're, you're a very wise, uh, high schooler. <laughs> Thank you. Um, and then, so as you, uh, you know, as after, after senior year, um, you know, that you know, when you kind of dedicated yourself to uh, a better life uh, and run, with running very much so involved, um, can you talk to me about like how, like how that transition from high school to college was and uh, how that kind of molded who you are as a person and runner now? Yeah, high school to college was rocky for me, for sure, because, um, you know, here I was, dad died, February of senior year, um, I got a partial running scholarship to UCSB. So mm-hmm. uh, I was moving from Phoenix to Santa Barbara. My mom and brother drove me out. And then at the time, um, my, my mom couldn't stay very long to kind of move me in. So essentially, they got me there and was like, okay, you know, good luck. We'll see you. So here I am all by myself. Dad died a few months before. And um, yeah, I felt really alone and Like I had no idea what I was doing in life. Um, I was lucky to be a student athlete because I feel like that kind of gives you a automatic sense of community, right? That you, that you already have, you have a head start almost in college um, Mm -hmm. first coming and being a stranger on campus. Um, But that next year was sort of um, kind of up and down emotionally for myself and my family. Um, My dad's business had gone bankrupt after he passed and sort of the, I guess, the funds that we thought might be coming our way, um, his company ended up going bankrupt. Um, And so about halfway through um, my 
freshman year, my mom said, I'm going to have to pull you out of school because um, we can't afford tuition anymore. And I was devastated because I felt like I had just like started to, I don't know, be part of a family at UCSB. Like I was mm. a gaucho. I was really like loving my cross country team. And um, I thought like, hey, this is where I'm supposed to be. Like I made it and I'm on the right path. And then to kind of feel like the rug was ripped out underneath me, um, I have to leave school. And we went in to tell my coach about it. And he's like, well, the school paper ended up writing an article on you. And it just said something like Rothstein forced to drop out of UCSB. And that was my maiden name. And my coach, Pete Dolan, said, Stephanie, you're not going to believe this. He's like, somebody read the article and they they called and they said they want to um, fund the rest of your college career. And I said, you're no, like this is impossible. What are you talking about? And he's like, yeah, no, an anonymous donor reached out. Oh. Yeah. What is right. And they read, they read the story and all I could think of was like, is that like my dad up in heaven or like, was that a guardian? Is that what guardian angels? I don't know. But Basically, uh, that changed my life because it allowed me to stay at UCSB. And um, but it also created this burden on my heart because now I was like, why? Like, why did I get this gift? Why did someone say that my life was worth it? Um, And so from kind of that moment on, that is honestly what shaped me into being like, I need to make my life worth it from here on out. And I need to make a difference in people's lives all Mm. the time. And that sort of inspired the way I live my life and why I'm always trying to do this and that and reach out to people and start things and create businesses and like have all these opportunities because I feel like I got a second chance um, in life and I want to try to repay that. And I don't know if I ever will, but, um, I don't know. That's that's what happened in my college wow. career. And that kind of said, yeah, set the tone for the rest of my life that I will never be able to, I don't know if live up to to what I the gift I received, but there's not a day that I don't um, feel grateful and thankful that 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 happened. Yeah, I don't know who this pro- I'll give you I'll, I'll let you know right now. <laughs> I mean, it wasn't me. So. <laughs> So so. Like this, I know you're probably wondering, you know, but it wasn't. <laughs> I was it right would have been great that like, you know, 20 years later you got yeah, me on the podcast and you're like, so, here it is. <laughs> so yeah, I, I got you on the show to let you know that it was me, you know. Uh, but no, it wasn't me. But whoever it was, I mean, like I, I know you it, it's it seemed at the time and even now probably it just seemed like such a insanely gracious and large uh, gesture for the for, for them to do. Uh but I guarantee that, you know, whoever this person is, um, is so uh, grateful that they did what they did because you've for sure led up to um, and done the things that whoever this person is thought you and hoped you would as in general. I mean, even, yeah, there's no way that you haven't reached that thing, you know, because there's so many people that, you know, if you did a poll right now and ask them one good question, you'd get the answer you're looking for that you've helped so many people do um, things outside of running, you know, that you that probably would never, you know, just be able to come up and say thank you for. So um, I mean, because truly like it, it, there's there's 
the cool thing about being able to talk to someone like you is that you know you, you're you're fast, you're a runner, you work hard at this running thing, but you are you're very well rounded in in the other things of life too, and and that is extremely relatable. Um, you know, although uh, you know we're we're not going to go rip off a, a you know a second Boston finish, a second American Boston women's finish, but you know on that same day last monday there were you know thousands of of women and men who um who are trying to do what you're doing as well which is being you know balanced and and pushing and and fighting and and showing grit but you know having fun and and all that stuff so uh yeah i think that i think i I think whoever did that as well but you've you for sure lived up to it so um congrats on that and that's a crazy story <laughs> i didn't i don't know how i didn't know that but like that that's Thank insane you. um so 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 after so after you you know go through college um and had a had a had a good uh, ncaa career um what's net what's next after that like what was when did you decide that you were going to take take your talents to south beach <laughs> um when did you decide that you were going to go pro and then how'd that work out yeah, you know, you said I had a good, I did have like a good college career for sure. But at the time, like I didn't do anything that was like, oh man, mm-hmm, sponsors mm-hmm. are knocking at my door, right? I, yeah. My best finish was fifth at NCAs and 10,000. Um, and so when I graduated, I would say the opportunities were sort of slim at the time. Um, mm-hmm. But I did get approached by kind of a group setting, uh, but I ended up turning that down because I said, you know, I think I want to kind of explore other options. And at the time I had just started dating Ben and mm-hmm. he was staying up in Cal Poly with his college coach. Mm-hmm. And I was like, okay, I'm just going to email some coaches like across the country and see, see what's out there. And so I ended up getting an opportunity to move up to Eugene, Oregon and train mm-hmm. with uh, Frank Gagliano, coach Gags. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and at the time that was the Oregon track club. But I didn't really have the standards to kind of like be on the team right away. So they said, you can come up, you know, live here and then you can sort of try out. And basically, if, if I run a standard while I'm there that got me into USA's, they would do something where they kind of back pay like my okay. rent and then talk about a, a contract. But after just being there, like just a few weeks I was like, this was the wrong decision. Like his coaching was great, but it was great for an 800 meter runner or a 1500 meter runner. And I'm like, 10,000 is like the shortest I'm going to go. So here I am in Eugene. I visit it in June, which is the best and worst time to visit because it's beautiful, green. You're like, this is the best place in the country. But then the rest of the year. (laughs) Correct. Now I'm there in October. It's pouring rain. It's dark at like 430. Yeah. I, I'm not in the right coaching situation. My boyfriend now is farther away. And I'm like, I made the worst decision. Like, what did I do? Mm-hmm. And so I kind of was just, uh, I don't know. I, I didn't know what I was doing, to be honest. Um, right. I was able to get a babysitting job. Uh, I babysat for the coaches at Oregon at the time, um, mm-hmm. Andy and Marisa Powell. That was like a great situation because I had their baby, Owen, from when he was like nine months old. So like I was able to run, kind of working as a nanny, cleaning houses. Um, And then I ended up meeting a coach out there who kind of recognized that I was probably going to be a marathoner. And that was Mm -hmm. Brad Hudson. And so he was like, hey, like, I would love to like work with you and coach you. So I started working with Brad. But the whole next year 
was just like really up and down. I was injured a lot. Um, I felt like I had glimpses of being a great runner. And then mm -hmm. as soon as I would be fit, I would get hurt. And I, I just generally felt unwell. Um, but then at the same time, Ben ended up moving up to Eugene. So we were together. Mm -hmm. He got an opportunity to run for Oregon Track Club when they got a new coach, Mark Rowland. And Ben had great success. I mean, it was it was the best time, I would say, in his professional career. So here's Ben up here. He's doing amazing. Here I am thinking I was going to be up here. I'm down here. I'm questioning all my life decisions. I'm looking up what it takes to be a lawyer. <laughs> I'm, I'm looking up volunteering as a hospice um, nurse. Ben was like, wow, she is all over the map. Um yeah, I was just in that classic, like 22 to 25 year old, thought I was going to be a runner, yeah. um, but it's not working out for me. And then fortunate enough, I was able to see a couple doctors in Portland. One was a naturopath and one was a Cairo. Mm -hmm. And they started exploring the idea of food allergies. And mm -hmm. this was like 2010. And I was like, no, I don't think I have any. Right, well, right. Sure enough, long story short, um, we did some... Uh, elimination diets where you bring food in, take it out, you know, yeah. kind of looking for gluten, dairy, like the big food allergies. And I was allergic to just about all of them. So gluten, oh. dairy, egg and soy. Um, and when I took them out as like hard as that was, I felt so much better. Mm. I was like, wow, maybe this is it. And sure enough, within a few months, I was like a new person. Wow. Uh, I emailed a bunch of coaches again across the country. I said, hey, this is crazy, but I think I could be one of the best marathoners in the U.S. Would you take a chance on coaching me? Of course, no one wrote back. Um, but one coach, Greg McMillan, he was in Flagstaff at the time, wrote back, said, I followed your college career. I totally would take a chance on you. So I moved out there in, gosh, April of 2010. Yeah. And then nine months later, I ran 229 in the marathon. And at the wow. time, that was like the sixth best time um, for an American in the last four years. So I think yeah. I found my calling, kind of bet on myself. And um, now I've been in Flagstaff for the last 11 years. Of course, we've had a lot of transition transitions since I first moved there to be part of Greg's group. But um, yeah, here I am. Like, so what, but what, like, like the funny part is like, actually, I'm trying my best to not like just, you know, say grit a hundred times every, <laughs> while you're talking, you know, but like, yeah. so what, what, um, like, you know, I know you were looking for other things like your, you know, <laughs> hospice care uh, is probably one of the roughest ones to, to pick. Yeah, exactly. Um, what was I thinking? I like, would have cried every yeah. time there yeah and, and that was way before indeed.com right. so like right. you had to really look for that right. um but so like you know even through that like you know you still obviously you never you obviously never gave up on the running thing i mean because if you really gave up on it we, we wouldn't be talking to you now but so like what made you like how what did you hold on to and what um how did you hang on to running through like that tough time because you know three years of that back and forth and doubting is a long time, you know, to hold on to something like that. And um, there's probably plenty of athletes um, or just anybody with a dream that would probably, you know, let it go after three years or so. So like, what, what, how'd you hold on to that? Stubbornness. Good. good. Yeah. That's a good. I mean, answer. Honestly, like, I don't want to like give you a false sense of motivation or yeah, like yeah. I was so much more persistent, but I don't know. I, I honestly just believed from a very early age 
that I was a lot better than I was performing. And there was a reason why I wasn't like yeah. something was holding me back and I can't explain that. It's just like in my bones yeah. and I've, that's carried into my professional career. Like I had crappy marathons the last seven years and I wasn't finishing them off well. And I was running out of energy and then Boston, I was like, okay, like this is the person <laughs> that mm -hmm. I thought was supposed to run the marathon. And so I don't know. I think I've just, I've seen that being stubborn and kind of holding on in like the right way, if you really feel it can pay off. And so yeah. that's what I did. And granted, I'm not including all the little things I did along the way. Like I spent a lot of money on therapy, like getting treatment, trying to figure out reasons. I didn't just sit in my room and be like, I yeah. hope I get better. Yeah, um, yeah. I didn't blame anyone else. I, I took ownership of everything that was happening to me and yeah, I was just really persistent in pursuing what I felt like was supposed to be kind of my destiny in running. Though so that's well, I mean, I'm glad you did because um, it's just it just really but that's great though. I mean, you know, stubbornness for a reason is that's great. Like you, we all go through these things, and as simple as a training block or um, you know troubles at work or home or whatever, and it just takes if you believe in that thing or you you know that that's what you want and desire at you know it's to some like burning ex, uh, passion or extent then sometimes you just have to hold on to it no matter what and and for some people that looks like you know part-time jobs uh or full-time jobs and then just doing their you know calling at night or something or whatever or on lunch break or something um and sometimes you just have to just keep going no matter what and uh we're definitely glad that there's people like you that do that and it works out you know so you kind of you know even though it's not like a super motivational thing like just be stubborn but sure. it, like it is what it is and sometimes you just have to hear just to lock on and, and stay with it and maybe something will change yeah and I think that last point you said like that it works out that's a really important um that's a factor that I don't take for granted like we're sitting here because it did work out for me mm -hmm. but yeah. I'm so acutely aware that it doesn't work out for a lot of people, the, mm -hmm. the, the businesses, the dreams, all the things, it doesn't always work out. And hopefully they can realize that doesn't mean like they failed, but, um, you know, they had the courage to try. Um, mm -hmm. And it's okay to actually say, I'm too tired of trying or yeah. I don't want to do this path anymore. Um, but I, I used to be like, oh, dreams keep going after them. But, you know, I do realize like it, it does not sometimes luck, sometimes timing are all factors of why it works yeah. out. But um, I think that's important to acknowledge too. And then to like, just to add to that, I mean, I feel like if um, it, that can back to the, the control, which you can control thing, you know, uh, you did this, you, you, you know, you, you, you did it, you tried, you attacked everything that you thought you could probably, you know, like you, you looked at training, you looked at um, all the stuff and then it ended up being, you know, the diet and things that you were eating, you know, so you didn't just, you know, bullheaded, stubborn, just keep pushing the same, you know, door or trying to open the same door. You you kind of figured out or tried to figure out as many ways as possible. What could it be? You knew it was something, but you didn't know. And I think that that's like, that's a big lesson too, is like, you know, there's a lot of, you know, things that didn't work out for people um, for many different reasons. Um, but you know, oftentimes I think that we, we get so stubborn where it's like, 
the the only way that this is going to work is the way that I envisioned it to work, you know, and we have a hard time being a little less stubborn and like, maybe it's not, you know, the, the wrong coach or the wrong shoes or the wrong this or the wrong that it's like, you know, it could be anything. So just kind of check, check off all the boxes and, and control what you can, can control, which is only um, just what you think about next and how you proceed. So. Yeah. yeah, I think that that was uh, that's dope. So um, and I just had a question because I, inter- I interviewed your husband before. Um, so I, for some reason, I just have to know, like, how did you guys meet? Like, because I just feel like that's a fun story. <laughs> yeah, well, we met at the NCAA championships, actually, mm-hmm. when he was running in Sacramento in 2005. And I had just actually come up there to watch a friend. I hadn't qualified or anything. And it was just so random, like a mutual friend. Uh, I was walking across the bridge, I think, going into the stadium and Ben was coming out of the stadium. And the friend that I was with was like, hey, Bruce, like, great job, because he had just run the prelim of the steeple. And Mm -hmm. I don't know, we shook hands like this is Stephanie, this is Ben. I honestly didn't think anything of it. Like I didn't meet him be like, oh, my gosh, who's that? Um, (laughs) It's just kind of funny to look back. And then that night, um, my friend did the whole like text messaged Ben from my phone oh. and he was like, Hey, you should, you know, you should come out with us um, after your final. And Ben like wrote back something like, thanks for the invite. My family's here. I'm going to hang out with them. And that was it. And honestly, like we both went our separate ways. He yeah. ended up getting six um, in his final at NCAs. And then I went back to school And then I ended up going out to Boulder, Colorado for the summer to train. And I was driving and I got a text message and it was like, hey, is this Stephanie's phone? This is Ben Bruce. And I was like, Ben Bruce. And then I like remembered meeting him a few weeks earlier. Mm -hmm. And he just said, "Um, you know, just seeing what you're up to. And I wrote back, uh, yes, this is good to hear from you. Um, I'm actually heading out to Boulder, Colorado to train for the summer, but why don't you give me a call? And then I said, sometime, keyword sometime. <laughs> well, a minute later, my phone rang. And, um, and then, of course, I got on the phone with him. And then two minutes later, I said, I have to go. I'm getting pulled over for speeding because apparently I got excited <laughs> when he called. Oh started speeding, um, got pulled over. And the rest is history. Oh man, that's good. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. So it was like it's it wasn't like a crazy story in the beginning, but then like it, it at least it got to be like I I started to hear more of Ben as we as yes, as you exactly. got to like hey call me sometime and he's uh-huh. like I'll call you right now. I'll call you right now. Right, right this moment. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah. So um. So after 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 that you you know, went to uh to Flagstaff to start to to train. Um. When did uh like when did did uh NAZ Elite Hoka and AZ come along and and how that play a role in you know kind of having you transition to that next step of your journey. So in, in 2013, uh, Ben and I kind of went out on our own and we stopped working with the group that we were with here and mm-hmm. he became my coach and we were like, all right, I think we're just going to try this for a while. Um, and that ended up being like one of the best years of my professional running career. He coached me to like a second place um, at the 10K Road Championships, a third place at the 15K Road Championships, fourth place at the Half Marathon Championships. Um, so we were just kind of on a roll and we were having a lot of fun. Um, we had just got married in 2012 
Mm-hmm. And we were like, all right, let's um, like keep this going. But then, you know, as the year went on, we realized we were kind of lonely. We are group people. We really love having teammates and yeah. we wanted more in our lives. And simultaneously, Ben and Jen Rosario moved out to flag. And they were like, we want to start a professional running group, like a true professional running group, um, connecting with the fans, mm-hmm. delivering um, back to our sponsors, like producing content the whole nine yards. And they asked if we want to be part of the group. And they said, we don't have a sponsor yet, you know, but we're really confident in our business model. So we said, sure. So um, the end of 2013, um, more like in the fall, I was getting ready to run some road races and Mm -hmm. I kind of had a little injury pop up and I was like, okay, I'm not really sure what this is, but um, you know, let me see if it's serious. It ended up being pretty serious. I got a stress fracture in my femur kind of like my first major injury. And at the time, this was three years away from the next Olympic trials. Mm -hmm. So Ben and I kind of had a talk and we were like, hey, looking at like our life plans, like we know we want to have kids. Um, Do I want to wait till my career is over? I don't think so. So we were Mm -hmm. like, all right, I guess if you get an injury, we'll try because otherwise it's kind of hard to stop when the momentum is going well. Yeah. the injury, um, I think, uh, spurred that. And we got pregnant with Riley a few months after that injury. And then he was born in June of 2014. Mm-hmm. And that's when the NAZ Elite sort of started to take off. We got a couple more teammates, Kellen Taylor, um, Amy Van Alstyne. You know, we were kind of teammates over from our old group. And then the beginning of 2015 is when Hoka came on as our title sponsor. Um, and it was really awesome just like coming together. Um, but at the time during my pregnancy, since I didn't have a sponsor, um, I started working with Wazelle, Mm -hmm. the female apparel company, um, with Sally, Sarah, and Bob Lesko. Um, and they were amazing because they essentially told me not to rush back from pregnancy, like or postpartum. Mm -hmm. Um, they just told me to take my time. And I think that really like saved my career because, I could go at my own pace. Um, And then when Hoka came on, it was kind of this blend where I was uniquely sponsored by both Um, running industry. That's not necessarily the best model. And I think we all realized it that, you know, one sponsor wants to have you. And and I think that's okay. So I kind of did the duel with them for a few years. um, And then I transitioned fully to Hoka Mm-hmm. and was part of NAZ, have been part of NAZ Elite for the last eight years. Mm-hmm. And then, um, of course, when that 2015 kind of happened with Hoka, that was also when we got a little surprise in our family personal life. And I found out I was pregnant again, mm-hmm. uh, with my second son, Hudson. That wasn't exactly part of our plan. Mm-hmm. But you know what? Life happens when you're busy making other plans. Um, yeah, and it worked out really great because then when the 2016 Uh, marathon trials came around I was only five months postpartum with Hudson and Riley was about uh what was he 20 months old Mm -hmm. and I said I gotta let go of this dream like there's no way I'm making it to the starting line and Mm -hmm. if I I had tried I think I would have risked the rest of my you know running career Mm -hmm. so I was able to kind of let that I guess goal and dream go I I really thought 2016 was like my time to try to make the team but um Yeah. yeah I let that go. I got back on the track. I ended up getting injured. Um, I think all the postpartum was catching up to me. Mm-hmm. And then the next two years was really just like 
coming back from both babies was catching up to me. I was trying to do the training, but I wasn't strong enough. Um, the workouts would go well sometimes, but I wasn't putting them into results and races. And yeah. so that was kind of another just like persist through period for me, um, 2016, 2017. And then 2018, it started to click. I started yeah. to like really absorb the training. All the work I had done postpartum was like paying off and, I had a really great 2018, 2019, you know, won my first and second national title on the roads. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then I just was coming into my own and had a couple top 10 finishes at world marathon majors at London, at New York, at Chicago. Um, and then that, that led me to kind of where I am here in this last year. Yeah. I loved like, I loved like look, looking at all your PRs. They're all in the, you know, they're all, 2019 2020 2021 so it um it really speaks to like and i we did i did a panel um discussion with uh three of like the sub elite runners that were um going to be racing this race in toledo ohio called the uh, glass city uh marathon okay. um so we had three of the, the the elite women on a panel um in you know just to, to celebrate and commemorate 50 years of women marathoning um you know uh because this is the 50th year, um, not including the, the year where someone's, you know, got out there and snuck on the course, you know, mm-hmm. um, but uh, shout out to her big, big shout out to uh, Catherine. Um, but it was, you know, it, at one point it was like, you know, that women weren't strong enough to or physically strong enough or capable to do the marathon. And then now it's like, okay, well they can obviously, which was, which shouldn't have been a, a question, but they can. And then I think, I'd love for you to hear you talk about like the um, the preconceived notions about like having a family, having kids, and then being able to then still perform at a high level. Um, and like, did you get pushback around the time when you were thinking about starting a family, and um, how that play out as you work through that? Because I think that there's a lot of women that you know put their lives on hold because they're afraid that it'll stop, you know, their their progress and goals. I'll, I'll first off say I was really lucky. Um, I had so much support from at the time Wazelle and then Hoka and now Hoka. Um, I, I didn't have any pushback, but I also had a lot of things going for me. Like I had the support of my husband since Ben was also a professional runner. Yeah. We parent 50, 50. It wasn't like him going to work and I had to take the load. Um, you know, financially I was still paid salary through my sponsors and then so we could afford childcare. Um, we live in a great place where childcare is affordable here in Flagstaff. And mm-hmm. I just had really great like situations and setups where that's not the case for a lot of women. And I think especially in the professional running world, I think that is what is a hurdle and a roadblock for many. You know, like a good friend of mine, Alicia Montano, who has been huge in like this movement and starting and mother you know, she had a lot of pushback when she wanted to have a baby and she ran at USA's pregnant. And it was just like, to some people, it was like, what is she doing? And to us, we're like, yeah, whatever. She, she's run 157, a 23800 is not a big deal when you're eight months pregnant, you know, relative yeah. um, to her speed. But um, yeah, she had pushback from companies because I think companies were afraid. Can these women come back? How long will it take? Mm-hmm. Uh, are they just as valuable? And then now you're starting to realize with the help of Alicia, with Allison Felix, uh, yeah, we're just as valuable or even more because more, yeah. 
we're the same. We're just human. Like other women, we just happen to run at a faster pace. Um, but there's a lot of like relatability. And I think we're kind of trying to break down these, um, I don't know, these old institutions of like one that childbirth or that motherhood was like crippling or it was something that like, okay, like have your baby and just like get your work done and put your baby on the side. But yeah, yeah. Guess what? You can mom and you can work. Um, I think this whole like it's not professional to have breastfeeding in certain places or babies. You start to question like, well, guess what? Every person on this earth was a baby at once. Men <laughs> are babies. Yeah. You know, yeah. like the head CEO, a male of a company, your mom at some point gave birth to you. So you could do all the things you're doing. So yeah. I feel like if and I'm not meaning to attack men, but if more men just oh, that's fine. It, we, sometimes we deserve it. Yeah, I, I just feel like if more men realize, like, yeah, it's fine. It, it doesn't make a woman any less professional, uh, like she can't do her job. And it was more acceptable. I think more women would not feel like I have to choose between my career and being a mom. Um, mm -hmm. Like Alicia, part of their motto and mother is like, I'm a champion and a mother. You don't yeah. have to or um yeah so i don't take any credit for doing anything along the way i just got really lucky and fortunate um but i guess i'm just trying to like showcase what other women have done and pave the way for mm -hmm. for all of those coming behind us yeah no it's it you you all are are um you know um you know motivation and and role models in so many different ways and i think that that's really great and especially like with alex alex and phoenix is like you because you guys you all have so much like to 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 worry about you know and and like you said you're not trying to like uh, you know attack men or whatever but you know often as as a as a fella you know we don't have to we don't have to think about you know we don't have to think about our dreams and say well maybe i shouldn't have a kid too you know because in society we it's we we have the we've had the benefit of of society feeling like it's okay to have kids whenever we want. And then like kind of say, okay, honey, I'll see you later. I'm going to go chase my dreams. Um, so it's really, it, it's more and more you see, you know, in all aspects and walks of life, you see more women saying like, you know, this we're I'm doing my thing. Uh, we're going to have a family and I'm also going to be continue to be as good or not, if not better than I was before, you know, children. And I'm still going to be a good parent too. So it's not like you're just like, having babies and dropping them off somewhere like it, it, it's it's good um and i and i appreciate it because I, I was raised by a single mother so i know exactly what mothers are capable of doing so um hats off to you for sure um and yeah yeah go go mom um and so also i mean because you didn't just stop there it's like you know um wife mom um professional athlete um and then your businesswoman as well like so can you talk about the businesses that you that you uh, own or co-own um, and how that's played a role into like who we know of you to be today and how that fits into like your brand? Yeah, um, I, I don't know. I just like to like someone put like hustle uh, and hustle means like yeah. I like the pursuit of things. Right. I don't necessarily care about the outcome, but I just love to see like what is possible mm -hmm. um, and being a woman and being able to like co-own or run my own business is like really empowering and mm -hmm. hopefully showing other women like, 
hey, you can do this too. So um, I started Picky Bars uh, over a decade ago alongside Lauren Fleshman and Jesse Thomas. Mm -hmm. And that's an energy bar company. And then kind of dream come true. Uh, Laird Superfood acquired us last year. So we merged <laughs> with them. Um, so that's been really cool. And you can find all the info on that at pickybars.com or lairdsuperfood.com. And then I started a coaching business with my husband, Ben. We started that, gosh, about ooh, 2014 at this point, mm -hmm. so eight years ago. Mm -hmm. And then we host adult running camps every summer in Flagstaff, Arizona. And that's basically where people come to Flagstaff and we say train and eat and recover and sleep like a pro, but at your own pace. Uh, which is kind of like our motto. And then um, a few years ago, I started a women's only retreats called Grit and Growth. And I started that alongside um, my one of my best friends from college, Sarah Tanza, who's a pelvic floor specialist and mom, mm -hmm. and then Olympic gold medalist, author and new mom, Tiana Bartoletta. Mm -hmm. uh, we co-founded that. And then our two other leaders are another Olympic gold medalist, if you can believe. You guys name, uh, you're name dropping over here. <laughs> Don Harper Nelson. Um, and then my good friend, Courtney Barnes. Um, yeah. So we started that and that's been going for, gosh, three years now. And I have we have our big retreat coming up next week in Scottsdale, Arizona. And then I have my own um, apparel line um, called Grit. And that's sold on my website, stephbruce.com. That, that's awesome. Um, and the one, the the camp sounds. I mean, you said like to uh, what train, eat, and recover like a pro. Mm -hmm. um, that sounds a lot like run, eat, sleep to me too. So just yeah, yeah. I, the parallel is definitely there because that's that's one of the things that I talk about is you know um, run run smart, uh, eat uh, run smart, eat healthy, sleep and recover like a pro, and do it with consistency. The repeat part. Um, yeah. Love and it. you know your PRs and your chip times will come flying down. Um, but so I, um, yeah, so like so that so there we are. So we've got almost everything that you do, because um, it's so much. I mean, there's a lot if you think about it. You do a lot of stuff, um, and I don't even know how with all that you've managed to still get faster and like have time to focus on that on this other stuff that we talk about, like the running part, um, but let's like fast forward to, to last, last week. Um, we'll actually stop there. Hold on. So, so grit, sorry. So you got the, you have the clothing line grit. Um, and then that's also, you've, you didn't even really mention the YouTube presence because you definitely have a big YouTube presence. Um, if you don't follow Steph on YouTube, go to it. Cause it's good stuff. But so you, so you've had the, like the grit series, uh, going. And so this year is the grit finale. So, um, and I'm sure you've probably talked about a hundred times or more. Um, can you talk to me about why this year is the grit finale and why you're deciding to step away from uh, professional running? Yes. So last year um, I lost my mom last June. Um, she had breast cancer and ended up uh, moving into her liver and kind of the rest metastasized to the rest of her body. So we lost her in June and um, the next couple months I just was sort of having um I don't know, a myriad of symptoms that I didn't know if they were grief related. I didn't know if it was training related. So I, I saw my doctor here in Flagstaff and she did a lot of tests and she's like, everything looks great. Like your blood work is beautiful. I don't see any problems, but um, I always like recommend doing the EKG. And I said, that's fine. So she does an EKG and she's like, I feel like I see something, but I'm not exactly sure. 
So um, just to like cover her bases, she said, I'm going to order an echocardiogram. And that's mm-hmm. essentially like an ultrasound of your heart. Yeah. Uh, I said, that's fine. I've never had that done. No problem. So they schedule that for me in Flagstaff. I go to the hospital here and the tech asked me, um, does my dad get echoes? And of course I said, well, my dad, you know, passed away when I was 18. So I'm not really sure how to answer that. Um, and of course now I'm like, why did he ask that question? So they finished the um, echo and then they send me the next day to a cardiologist here. And um, the cardiologist says, uh, we're diagnosing you with a congenital heart condition, mm-hmm. congenital meaning I was born with it, but mm-hmm. we never knew. And it's called bicuspid, bicuspid aortic valve disease. Mm-hmm. Um, essentially what that means is everyone that is born has three cusps in their heart, three flat yeah. open and close. Um, and one to 2% of people are born with two and it's because one of them, one of the three fused together. So it sort of looks like this, but, um, the complications that come with that is instead of closing properly, every time the two now close, there's a little bit of gap and blood does something where it flows back into the chamber instead of, um, staying out. And that's Mm. called regurgitation. And based on my um, echo, it said that there's mild, moderate, and severe. I have moderate regurgitation Mm -hmm. and they don't know, has it been moderate my whole life? Has it just gotten moderate lately? And essentially um, when it gets too severe, I will have to have heart surgery to um, repair the aortic valve. And that just sort of um, was this big like bomb drop on me um, because, you know, here I was coming out of this and 38 right. years old. I just find out for the first time I have this condition I was born with, but I don't have any parents to call or ask or cry to or talk to. So it was a very grown up right. moment for me. I had to kind of absorb all the information I was getting and um, then decide what does this mean for like right. my life? And yeah, after talking with coach Ben, my husband, Ben, we were like, we want to have more kids, um, but pregnancy can get complicated with this condition because of the stress Mm -hmm. on the heart. And since we don't necessarily know like the timeline of when I would have to have this surgery, we don't know if running is not supposed to make it any worse. Like the sports cardiologist um, from MedStar and Kit Shaw, that's the team I work with he gave me a green light. He said, everything looks great. I have no concern or worry about you right now. Um, keep running at the highest level that you want, um, based on all my tests, but it still kind of made me just second guess my, I don't know, life path. And, you know, I love running so much, but I do want to try to have more kids. Um, and there's just a lot of like uncertainty, I guess, with this condition. So, it, it made me decide, Hey, why don't I, why don't I make 2022 my last year and kind of go out with a bang on my own terms and plan it out, make it fun, bring the fans along. Like I've always been doing and kind of script, um, how I want to end my professional running career. So that's the grit finale. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's, it's, and and I like, I do like though, that you know, you, I've heard you say somewhere else that you wanted to kind of, you wanted to sculpt, you know, that, this this experience for you um and you kind of hope that other people maybe approach the ends of you know their careers like that as well instead of kind of having you know maybe whether it's age or whatever kind of 
pushed them out out the wrong way, you know, and and so you're kind of taking it into your control and um, enjoying the process along the way and um, starting off this uh, grit year very well. Um, and if we could talk a little bit about last week um, that you uh, finished, you finished Boston's second uh, American woman um, to finish and 12th overall. And um, would love to kind of hear about that experience for you um, with it being, I heard you say somewhere that like every race is the last of that race uh, for you now. Um, so how does that feel walking away from Boston with that experience? I mean, I miss it already. <laughs> um, I didn't know like how I was going to feel, but um, I mean, part of that is because it went well and I yeah. felt like the true version of myself and I felt really strong coming home. Um, I don't know. I just like being out there it was just like a great reminder of like, this is like what I'm supposed to be doing in life. Yeah. And I feel so privileged to still be healthy, still be able to like get on the line and just like showing up to the marathon, as we talked about, is 90% of the battle and being healthy. And I felt really prepared. We had a really hard training cycle and Coach Ben, you know, put me through the grinder. But um, it showed that we, we were really ready for the conditions and the course. And um, yeah, I had a lot of fun. It was really painful. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I got I got close to like the big goals I wanted. You know, I was yeah. a little off. I, I definitely wanted top ten, and I was hoping on a great day maybe I could be top eight. But the women were so strong. Nell Rojas had an incredible race. Mm -hmm. um, you know, the the top women from Kenya and Ethiopia just smashed. They did incredible. Perez, who's been on a tear, who won New York, who won mm -hmm. Tokyo, um, and then kind of a newer friend of mine, Mary, who got third, and Nakibogat, who is yeah. this legend. Um, yeah. yeah, so like they, you know, those women were going to be pretty hard, impossible to beat on the day. So um, all in all, it was a really great experience, and you know, probably second or maybe best marathon um, kind of of my career to date. Well, that I mean, that's that was you know such an amazing way to to end it out um, there uh, for at least for in Boston, and it looks like it's shaping to be you know a really great year for you. And if if we know anything about you, you're gonna you're gonna step up to every finish line with like this or this uh, start line with every, with every ounce of grit that you have. Um, and it sounds like I mean, it sounds like you always did, but it's like now you kind of have like this thing like where this is everything counts and you're going to give it give it 110 percent every time you step to the line and um i can't wait to you know continue to watch what you what you're doing uh what what's what's the next race for you uh this year then yeah so i'm running um the u.s championships for the 10,000 meter um mm -hmm. and that'll be at the prefontaine classic okay, on yeah. may 27th in eugene oregon awesome awesome um so yeah, look forward look forward to seeing you there as well. Um, but I just I, so I had a couple. I don't think I have any other any questions for you, but um, I reached out to a couple of people and uh, just wanted to read two notes that I got for you. Um, so uh, Sarah Hall says uh, we love you, Steph. So glad you're healthy to enjoy this year of all of all the races. Uh, looking forward to more miles together in years to come. Oh, um, so, and then also we have um uh kira d'amato she said she's not really all that close to you but she said thank you steph for being such an amazing example for women runners uh when i was coming back into the running space it was strong women like you that helped me see i could train my butt off and incorporate family i've always loved seeing your boys at races so proud that you are their mom 
also tell Ben, <laughs> also tell Ben, my my husband, uh, would like to challenge him again in something. Not sure what, not sure what yet, but he's been talking about what challenges next for them. That's awesome. Well, thank but you. I appreciate that. Oh no, no problem. I just because I just feel like it's it's every time I've seen you like on you know camera or something, you know, it seems like everyone you're always around people and they're always, you know, reaching to you for the hug and, and everything like that. So I know that, um, you know, this professional career has uh, probably provided so many friends and, and uh, people like family to you. So I just wanted to reach out to as many people that I could, that would maybe even answer just to see if I could send a note to you because you mean a lot to them, but then also to us as, as uh, people watching your, your, your journey. So um, with that, um, if, if anybody has questions, that's on the live. Um, we maybe have like one or two minutes to answer a question. So if you have any questions, let us know uh, quickly. Um, but if not, then thanks so much, Steph. Um, means a lot to have you on the show. Thank you so much, Josh, for uh, kind of putting this together for us really quick here. Um, congrats on Boston. Um, cause that's I know you probably wasn't exactly what you wanted to have happen, but um, it just seems like it's it was just such a great way to kind of, kind of walk away from that race in particular. Um, cause so many people like, you know, or, you know, everybody goes to Boston and, and wants to do what they, you know, all, but doesn't seem like a lot of people get there and do like exactly what they wanted to do. So that course is meant to make people suffer. <laughs> right. It is. Um, but you know, before, uh, before I close out, cause I, I'd love to see, is there anything that you'd like to leave like my audience and your fans with, um, just anything you'd like us to leave, leave us with on this, uh, the end of this episode here? Oh man, I feel like this last like week, I'm like, I'm all out of motivation, guys. Yeah, 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 no, no. <laughs> I feel bad. I mean, yeah, I think like just, um, I don't know, as we were talking about earlier, like just be bold enough to keep chasing your crazy goals and dreams. And it doesn't really matter what other people think. And I say this all the time, like no one cares about your own running as much as you do. And so yeah. when you remember that, that helps on two fronts. That helps when you don't have a good day to not feel embarrassed, to not feel like an imposter, mm. because it's really only you and your own running. Nobody loves you any less. Nobody respects you any less because you didn't hit a goal or you're going to run a certain time or place. Um, and then I think that helps you bounce back and make another goal, you know, after your last one was either met or not met. So, um, yeah, I would just say stay true to your path. Don't feel like you need to be pulled off it because of someone else and just try to show up authentically you awesome awesome well that's good i think you did good even though you've probably been doing all type of you know not, not speeches or interviews and things and having to drop motivational quotes every time but thank you so much i mean you uh your presence is a motivation for so many so uh, i can't wait to see what's next for you and i'm, I'm assuming that the, those businesses will be kind of i think you said ben is going to be happy because you'll be able to kind of focus on you know some of the business stuff so um looking forward to seeing what's next for you and your family uh thank you so much for your time and all that you do for the sport and whoever's watching this please make sure you remember to run eat sleep and repeat thank you, you. see steph is inspiring steph is amazing steph is kind steph is nice 
Uh, Steph is a lot of things, and she's super fast. Uh, so thanks so much, Stephanie, for being on the show. Thank you guys for watching. Make sure or listening. Make sure you uh, mash that subscribe button on this podcast platform. Share it with all your friends. Uh, post it to Instagram. All that stuff, because the more people that know about the show, the more people I can get to be on the show. So thank you so much for listening. Thank you again, Steph. Um, her story is nothing short of wildly inspiring and crazy and amazing and all that all in one like i said before i cannot wait to see what she does this year um and then also cannot wait to see what life has in store for her and her beautiful family thank you guys for listening please make sure that you run eat sleep and repeat peace out love y'all